In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This parable of the rich man and Lazarus is another one of those parables that's very well known uh, in the Gospels. And it might seem more or less obvious uh, what's going on in the parable. Who's right and who's wrong, and why they might be right or wrong. We know that there's these two characters, the rich man and Lazarus, very different situations. The rich man ends up in a place of suffering, and Lazarus ends up in a place of comfort in Abraham's bosom. Now, it's not too difficult to see why this was the result. Oftentimes, you'll hear being preached about this gospel, what was the sin? of the rich man. Why did he end up in a place of suffering? It's not because he was rich, obviously. It's because of what he failed to do. It's because he had countless opportunities on a regular basis to practice a certain good deed, to notice this beggar at his door, to notice Lazarus, but he failed to do so. He could have done good, but he did not. So then we can ask the question, how should he have been? How should the rich man have lived his life? What choice should he have made? What could he he have done differently? And on one hand, it's easy to say he could have done charity, he could have practiced charity. That's the right answer. But it's important at the same time that we admit that that's the right answer to understand what charity is. Anyone can say that charity is good. Anyone could have read this gospel passage, anyone could have heard this parable, even though they're not a believer in Jesus, and understood that this man should probably have stretched his heart a little bit, extended some compassion a little bit to this poor man at his gate. Even though we live in a society where the real, significant, transcendent meaning of charity is not really taught. That meaning is kind of lost. Because in the society that we live in today, a lot of the communication that happens regarding things like charity and other virtues happens through virtue signaling. People just talking about this stuff and not really practicing it. People just talking about this stuff as if they believe it, as if they preach it, but not really practicing it. We also live in a society that's increasingly more and more based on the individual. A society that preaches individualism, concerned just for the individual self. Concerned just for how can I be happy today? How can I meet my goals? How can I reduce the things that make me uncomfortable? In the midst of that kind of society, a society that's very shallow when it comes to practicing virtue, not just preaching it, and a society that really influences people to be individualistic, in the midst of that kind of society, Yes, it's very easy for charity to become just a shallow word. With the gospel, with Christ, with our Christian identity, there's more we can say about charity. And clearly, it's based on 
what Jesus does himself, what he says and what he does himself through his own actions. Let's pay a little bit more attention to this rich man. And let's line him up with God and see how the two compare. And see how we can learn from that. Both the rich man and king of the universe are royalty, royal figures. God, obviously, king of the universe, creator of everything. How do we know that about the rich man? It's easy to notice that because Luke is saying that he was often dressed in purple and fine linen. Wearing purple clothes is the sign of royalty. Fine linens obviously refers to his rich state. So God and this rich man are both royal figures. They're both kind of above everybody else. But there is clearly a difference between what the rich man decides to do and what we see from God and the entire plan of his salvation of mankind. They're both royalty, but the rich man, one, overindulges, and two, doesn't see Lazarus while Lazarus is in front of him, but one does he see Lazarus at the end, when Lazarus is far off, when there's a great chasm between this rich man and Lazarus, then he sees Lazarus, when he needs help, when he needs to be freed from his suffering for even just a second, then he decides to see Lazarus, then he opens his eyes to see Lazarus. He overindulges, and he doesn't see Lazarus when Lazarus is right in front of him. How does that compare to God? God sees you and I even when we, on purpose, make a distance between ourselves and Him. God sees us even when we reject Him, even when we make ourselves far off from Him. And contrary to overindulging, contrary to feasting sumptuously every day, God gives us everything every day. Do you see the difference between this rich man and the character of God? Do you see the difference between the choice of this rich man, the active choice of this rich man, and the initiative that God takes to give us everything? Not just our life, not just our breath, not just our food and all the material things. He gives us the thing that ultimately matters most, Himself. Himself and the feast that matters more than any other feast you and I can create for ourselves. And that's the feast of the Eucharist. The feast of His body and blood that's given for the forgiveness of sins as we approach it unworthy though we are. Brothers and sisters, how can we know about this? How can we increase our intimacy with God regarding this subject? How can we know more about God? How can we love God more? How can we understand what we just heard in this gospel passage and apply it to increase the likelihood of our salvation? How can we tell others about it in the same way that this rich man was hopelessly struggling to have Lazarus get sent to his brothers so that they, couldn't, uh, so that they could be saved from the same fate that he was in? What's available to us? Moses 
and the prophets. As Abraham says, Moses and the prophets. He tells this rich man, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. They have scripture. They have the chance to understand who God is, what his relationship is to mankind, how he wants to save mankind, how much he loves mankind. They have that. It's in scripture. If they don't look at that, if they don't ex- what makes you th- that, if they don't make the effort to understand that, what makes you think they're going to believe a miracle in the, sh- in the form of someone rising from the dead and, and telling them to, to practice charity? Why would they believe someone rising from the dead when they don't understand who that person is, when they're not ready to receive that kind of miracle? This is a calling to you and I, brothers and sisters, to look at Scripture, to examine Scripture, to look at what God is doing in Genesis, to look at what God is doing in Exodus and the rest of the books of the Old Testament. Although we ignorantly think that we can't understand them because they're written a long time ago and it takes some kind of scholarly mind to open them up and understand them. No, absolutely not. You're living in the 21st century. Your phones can be used for things other than the things that you use them for. We have technology, and technology is often talked about in a negative way, but technology is amazing when it comes to understanding the depth of Scripture and its application to our daily life and its application to our vocation of holiness. You and I are being told by Abraham to look at Moses and the prophets. What good is the story of the resurrection going to do if you don't understand who Jesus is? If you don't understand how everything in the Old Testament was pointing to him the whole time. If you don't understand what it means for God to take on flesh and die on a cross. Everything Jesus does, everything Jesus says has significant meaning. Way more than a priest can preach about during a Sunday Mass. This is not enough. This is an amazing, an unreal thing we can do to come here and participate in the sacrifice of the Holy Mass and be in communion with the Church and take the Eucharist. But that's not enough. Our relationship with God has to continue growing through meditation on Scripture, through prayer, which ultimately gets us to repentance. Brothers and sisters, there's again so many resources for us to do this. There's Bible studies online. There's Bible studies here. There's Bible studies at all of our other churches on an ongoing basis. There's youth groups. There's catechism for youth. There's First Communion for youth. There's a lot that's going on. And then, like I said, there's the entire internet which has an abundance of good Catholic resources for, for us understanding our faith and what Scripture has to tell us, what God has to seriously tell us. To not do this, to not take this mission seriously, to not take this responsibility seriously among all the other distractions that there are for us in this world, to not do all that has a risk, there's a consequence. And the consequence is to fall into the same sin of the rich man, to fail not just to practice charity, but to practice charity in the way that God is charitable with us. There's not some arbitrary standard of charity that we're called to to practice with this gospel passage. 
Yes, we're called to notice those who are in front of us, to notice those who are around us and to be charitable to them, but not just because. We're called to do that because it's what God has done with us by, again, noticing us when we're far off from Him and giving us everything. If we don't do this, brothers and sisters, we risk being like this rich man and we risk being like his brothers who could not be saved even by a miracle unless they wanted it themselves. Amen.